Welcome to a brand new episode of Digital Adoption Show, your go-to podcast for cutting-edge insights and innovative strategies in today's dynamic work environment. I'm your host, Dr. Jain, the Vice President of Global Sales. In this episode, we've been explored three tips for informed decision-making in 2024, understanding and managing polarities. I feel this is a very interesting topic, and I'm personally looking to learn a lot from it, and we are honored to have Katie Lackey-Ridas, who is the Vice President of Global Learning and Talent Management at Honeywell. Katie brings a wealth of experience to the table with a strong background in executive coaching, succession planning, employee training, organizational effectiveness, talent management, just to name a few. She's played a pivotal role at Honeywell, Bank of America, Frontier Academy, focusing on leadership development and preparing leaders with the skills and tools for tomorrow's challenges. Katie's approach combines a strategic thinking with practical application aiming to enhance leadership capabilities and organizational growth. She is dedicated to cultivating a culture of continuous learning and innovation. Once again, we are honored to have you, Katie. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Welcome to our podcast, Katie. So before we dive into our main discussion, let's kick off this new episode with our segment, The Digital Pulse. Here, we actually connect the dots between passion and profession. Just uncovering how individual journeys shape visionary leadership. So we would love to understand from you, is there any passion or activity outside the world that's particularly close to your heart? Yeah, I, you know, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm a mom. I have two young kiddos. And as a mom that is also a working woman and gets to travel the globe, I don't have a lot of time for my own personal hobbies. Recently, I would say about a year and a half, two years ago, I convinced my daughter to go into horseback riding. It wasn't fair. You know, I used to do horseback riding as a kid. So I was trying to get her to sneakily like have my passion. And she decided it was okay. She would do it. And it's been something that I have done with her and it's been magical. I really think also kind of based on this topic, as I got back on this course, right, like that I hadn't been on since I was like 10 years old, you're on this huge beast. And as an adult, you're a little bit more like, oh, wow, this thing could kill me. I could really injure myself. But it teaches you so much, you know, horseback riding. It's such a passion of mine and it's the complexity of being outside. It's about being in control and not in control all at the same time. It's about a connection with one of Earth's beings that is beautiful and majestic. And then I get to spend time with my daughter at the same time. So that has been a passion that I have done outside of work and it has been phenomenal. And I, I also think it also teaches me a lot and reminds me a lot of why I'm in the profession that I'm in. Because there's polarities on navigating and riding a horse as well. Sounds very exciting and adventurous for sure. I'm sure your daughter have had a great time with it as well. So really good to know. Great. Moving on, you know, to the topic itself. I think we are going to be covering a lot in our discussion today around polarities. And, you know, first there are facets to it. But Maybe why don't we just conceptualize the role of polarities in an organization in terms of decision-making and how do you see that in the current 2024 business landscape? There's so much going on around us. So maybe yeah. let's start with a quick introduction around it and what role yeah. does that play? Sure. 
So Polarity's management has been around for a long time. Really, you know, kind of the research behind it, there's a man named Barry Johnson who's done the majority of the research and kind of brought it mainstream within organizations, governments, school systems, health systems, things like that. And it, for those that have never heard about Polarity's management before, the easiest way to really understand what it is, is we are typically taught around either or thinking. You know, from an organization standpoint, I either need a decentralized group or I need a centralized group. Like you can't have both, right? When it comes to personalities, I either like to be super active or I am going to be resting. Like I can't actively rest, right? Like it, it's this kind of way of thinking that's very binary. It's either or. Everything's either or. And the reality is in the world today, again, the world, whether it be our, our countries, whether it be our governments, whether it be our businesses or organizations or school systems or healthcare systems, they're all systems. And in a system, not everything is either or thinking. It requires both and, and it requires leaders that are leading those organizations to actually be able to look across and understand the tensions at play that drive a business or stall a business or, you know, again, any system. And it's important for everyone to be able to see all sides. So in 2024, when I look at the business landscape, one of the key components about polarities is there's two seemingly opposite things that need each other over time to survive, right? So again, I'll just play on that centralization, decentralization. Decentralization works until it doesn't. And then everything centralizes and it feels like a pendulum swing, right? And that works until it doesn't. And then everyone swings back. So like in businesses, we're used to like this whiplash effect, right? It works until it doesn't. So we fix it and then we move on until it doesn't. So we fix it and then we move on. It's a, it's a tall tale that you're managing a polarity. You're not solving a problem. And in today's world, things are moving so fast that what's happening is businesses are feeling the whiplash on like a three-month cycle or a six-month cycle. Like kind of gone is the, we can do this for 10 years and it'll be fine for 10 years until we fix it. And then it'll be a fine for another five years. Like it's just the pendulum swing has become much more aggressive and a lot faster. So it means that as leaders, we have to govern and think differently about how we do it. And that's where polarities really come into play. I think very well put, Katie. You know, I can... Think of an example of our world and it is where, you know, in the startup while we are growing, there are also, you know, consistent needs for processes that can scale. So the decentralization versus centralization example that you give is exactly the kind of situation we find ourselves in because we need to stay agile and nimble at the same time because that's what a startup's foundation is built on. But at the same time, you need some level of centralization as well. So I think it's the right balance of I don't want to call it short term and long term, but it's like you, I think you put it better that it's the right balance of looking at it in the realm of what can do to a point and then solve it for the next phase and then go on from there, finding that right balance. A hundred percent. And, you know, short, short and long term, like that's a polarity. And, you know, the same when you think about startups or you think about large organizations, you know, it's this, it's this tension between innovation and standardization, right? Like, no, I need to go do, 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 and I'm going to test and try. 
Yeah. And then you have to standardize it because you got to make it efficient. And you got to let me know. So, and you need both, right? Everyone needs both. So it, it does require us all working together, being more aware that both are good. It's not either or, not one's not better than the other. Like both of them are important. Both of them are valued. And, and when we can start to think with that both end mindset, we make better decisions as leaders. No, absolutely. I think just with your experience, our audience would love to know, Katie, if you could describe some complex real world scenarios where you have seen traditional decision makings falling short and then managing polarities, giving a much better solution. Yeah, I mean, I think I see this all the time. I'm not going to lie as a practitioner of this work and and trying to live and breathe it for over a decade of my life, like it's it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's complicated. One of the first things I'll just say as a tip, though, is it's appreciating the complexity when you can actually just realize that things are complicated, that there's multiple ways to solve something, and that your idea is a idea, not the idea. Like that's like the easiest place to start. Now, again, all of that's very hard. We all like being right. We all like being smart. We like being the best. We like our ideas to, you know, get the traction, but there's an appreciation to that. Um, one of the places that I see it fail most often in business is actually around organizational design as well as leadership succession. And so Again, I kind of mentioned that decentralization, centralization. It's a simple way for us to, to think about things. But what we'll do is in business, we will set up an organizational structure. That structure supports one side of a pull, right? One, one side of that two-dimensional like polarity. And we'll put all of our energy into it. And we'll put all and we'll move everything to, to kind of, quote unquote, fix the problem, which, again, if we're not navigating both sides of the polarity and we're not driving an organizational design that looks at both sides and realizes how can you be centrally decentralized in this model, um, that's where we fail. We'll centralize everything. And then all of a sudden, Picard, you're the leader. Yes, you centralize everything. You're amazing at that. And then you go and get promoted and things start to unwind. And it's like, oh, it's the leader. And it's like, it's, and then we, then we decentralize everything. And, and so it's this tension between decision around navigating polarities that we didn't do a very good job setting up like infrastructures or structures properly, which again is complicated and hard. I'm not saying it's it's easy, but then we also put leaders in situations where like, and again, selfishly, I've run small businesses. I've run massive organizations inside Fortune, you know, 500 companies. I love to build. I'm a creator, you know, so, so put me in that role. Put me in coach you know, run, maintain, sustain, that's a little harder for me, but I know that about myself. And so I work hard to run, maintain, sustain while building at all times. And you have a much more sustainable organization. And again, I think we don't have enough focus on polarities management in mainstream business today. And so we don't have enough leaders and professionals and HR professionals talking in a way that drives a more sustainable outcome. So org design is definitely one. And then the same is delivering in transformation. That's another real one. And you mentioned it yourself, like 
you're building an organization, you're dripping in polarities. (laughs) Once you get to a certain part point in the organization based on the number of employees you have, like, well, now everything breaks. Well, that's growth, right? And so how do you maneuver that? How do you change that? How do you sustain the culture and feed the appetite while building a, a sustainable ground? Like you have to invite other skill sets to the table. You have to invite other practices to the table, which again can feel from a human perspective intrusive, but it's not. It's the beauty of diversity. It's the beauty of how all of this works. And true, I think, Polarity's management around delivering transformation, you, you've got to have the short wins while you hold the long-term strategy. And then as leaders, we have to be able to realize that if we're talking to people that prefer the short-term wins, it's like, hold your long-term strategy. You have to have that, but maybe you don't talk about it as much. Talk about your short wins. And then when you go to the next meeting and you have the person who's like, where's the strategy? It's all mapped out. You're like, here it is. This is everything on a piece of paper. And, and they're like, great. And then if you don't have the short-term wins, though, you're not driving that strategy. So again, it, it requires a different way of operating as a leader and as a professional. Yeah, very helpful. I learned a lot from those examples personally, Katie. And I can relate in a variety of ways, just, you know, in, in that individual setup in our org as well. And just what I've experienced talking to other L&D professionals. I think one of the pieces is, you know, just like you alluded to that extremely polarized terminology of our edges, right? That if there are not uh, enough folks in the group from both ends, it can actually sway the decision and miss one perspective completely. So it's important to kind of have that in the state. And also like, you know, one example that immediately comes to mind is based dynamics as well. Certain cultures, we and this is our vision, but at the same time, you have to balance out individual needs as well. Right. Because now we have a course. So now every individual wants to meet, but then there is a that could be one level of polarity I can imagine in a large group. But thanks a lot for sharing. I think maybe the question, you know, I was asking was more around just giving you an example of individualism versus collectivism a little bit on how do you manage the vision of the org? And you have a diverse workforce with millennials, Gen Z, and all diverse audiences wanting something individualistic. So it's a for the example that you gave be apt in that perspective as well. But you've seen, you know, you've seen it looking at, let's just look at COVID, right? Like the whole world experienced COVID and, and there was a really fascinating kind of aspect around employees. No, I mean, again, all employers work to support their employees and drive engagement, you know, and, and what's the vision of the organization? How do we support that? How do we drive that culture? But there became a really big pendulum switch, like to all employees, right? Like, and then everyone's going to work from home and everyone's going to be virtual and everyone can just do all those things, which was great until it stopped working, right? Until all of a sudden it's like, wait, our employees yeah. are completely disengaged from human connection. Wait, there's like, hold on, we, we've got massive amounts of meetings, but there's lack of productivity because we need the hallway conversation. So it's like you saw this swing to, you know, everything into this swing back to like, not, not nothing, but like there's a, there's a hard swinging happening in the employer employees across the globe. And then it's like capturing that value proposition with employees, with what fits best with the vision and strategy of the organization, which fits best, you know, 
And so again, like that's just a prime example. I think every single one of us can relate to at a human level, at a leadership level, it, it is happening in our organizations. Whatever it was before COVID, there was some shift in kind of whether it be a policy or a preference around work from home. And I know that there's shifts happening right now in every single organization that is something towards back. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's it's just really fascinating. Again, once you start getting into this work, you can see it all over the place. And there there are ways to do it differently, but it it's hard. No, absolutely. Sounds like and there's so many that come to mind. Let me ask you this for our audience. You've had a vast experience in LND about two decades, mostly in leadership roles. What has been your journey with complex decision-making like this, which forms a significant part of your role? The, the COVID example that you gave, the work from home setup, that was a big one for people. I mean, first we had to change from office to remote because that was the need of the art and then back to normal again. So and anything else that you want to share, but I just wanted to pick up that as an example. Of you. Yeah, I mean, like for, for me and my journey, and, and I love to use the word journey because like we're all on a journey, whether or not we are being explorers in our journey or if we're just like along for the ride, you know, I think that's kind of all up to us to take hold of. And I've been very fortunate in my career, especially early in my career, I would say I had some instances of pretty dumb luck where I was at the right place, the right time with the right people. And I got introduced to this concept around polarities management by one of my favorite people, who's also a mentor of mine. Her name's Kelly Lewis, and she studied alongside Barry Johnson, has started different businesses. She's just very steeped in it. And some coaching that she gave me very early on was just asking me really specific question around my thought process. And it's like, what if you thought differently about what you are upset about right now or what you're frustrated about right now? And she started expanding my view. And then I'm like, man, it's really annoying. Like, I don't want to think like that. But it, it, it was this beautiful kind of, I would say, coaching relationship that she had with me. And we just also so happened I worked at Frontier Academy, which is part of the Frontier Project at the time. And we we started doing women's development programs. And so it was alongside Kelly that I really got introduced to this concept as she was exploring and then building her own kind of journey there. And again, the one key thing is I started to appreciate the complexity. I started to realize that my right was only my right. It didn't mean that it was right for everyone and it didn't mean it was right for every decision. And that was the moment where I started to really let Clarity's management influence the way that I thought, which allowed me to problem solve and allowed me to make decisions outside of just myself, right? Of like, well, I mean, there's lots of things that I prefer, but it doesn't mean it's the best thing for the work, for the strategy, for the outcome, for other people. Like, it's just my personal preference. And me being able to manage my personal preference has allowed me to navigate complexity at a much faster speed. Got it. I, I think I can relate to it, Katie, by just putting it as, I think every situation is very contextual. And yeah. like you mentioned, you know, every decision that you make, it's not a standard playbook you can really create for every situation in such a dynamic environment because it's all driven by a lot of relevance and context. And until that's at play and clear, it's not a standard cookie cutter approach that can be taken. 
You can't. And we all want that, right? Yeah. I mean, again, Can based I... on neuroscience and how our brains work, like give us the framework, give us the toolkit, give us the answer. And and sometimes it's like, well, the answer is actually like a circular mess. And people hate that, yes. you know, um, but being yes. able to actually try and make any type of linear conclusion, it it's awesome. And as a leader, like just think about developing talent, growing talent, like you're helping people move forward. And we are in our own journey. Like I can't control that. Like I need them right. to lean in. I need them to explore. I need them to have safe failure. I, I, I need all of that while making massive billion dollar decisions. Right. And again, polarities, there's, there's a right answer to a financial equation. Trust me. <laughs> I'm not saying that polarities are everything. We we have either or, you know, there's there's right and wrong, there's ethics, there's integrity, there's very simple right and wrong. And so polarity management, you have to be careful. It's not, you know, everything's in the gray. No, there are certain things when it comes to short-term, long-term or activity and rest or being candid, being more diplomatic in our approach. Like, there's there's lots of balances that help us, but not everything's a clarity. So I think this is a good segue in the last point you just mentioned is a good segue into the topic of the global world these days, which is artificial intelligence. And how do you see the integration of data and AI significantly influence the paradoxical world that we live in and affect both or and leadership? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny when we think about data, I think people, again, are a little bit more comfortable with data technology. Gen AI has been a bit of a disruptor. And, and the place where I see it coming out in the polarity is the polarity of control and empowerment. And it's truly testing all of us as humans on how are we like allowing ourselves to be comfortable of what we personally feel in control of and what we're empowering others to do and others meaning Gen AI. So again, I, I'm a huge fan of Gen AI. Been fortunate enough to work with some of the massive organizations that have some great tools on the market right now that they're piloting. And so I have I have something called Copilot. So it's like my personal generative AI, like kind of like intern that works with me. And what I have found with my own personal relationship with some Gen AI tools that I have access to, it's like, I think I can be better or faster. And so, for example, like writing a communications document around a process, right? It's a new process. We're doing a massive change management component to it. And I have always like sat down with my team and we've crafted it and we've spent hours on it and pouring over it. And how do we write this? And, you know, leveraging JMAI, I actually can say, here's all of the details. Um, here's the audience, you know, and it spits out a, a first draft that's probably a heck of a lot better, definitely grammatically better than I can do. <laughs> um, and there's there's an empowerment to that. Now, what I also realize is like, I felt like I could have been better, right? And there's beauty in the both. And again, from a data and, and gen AI, what I'm experiencing is leaders that are able to look at both and are able to embrace 
some of the power, the beauty, the complexity that it brings, but also the simplification that it brings. And simplification also supports control and empowerment as well. And so I would just, again, from from a polarity standpoint, that's the one that is standing out to me the most when I think about data and Gen AI. And what I think it's pushing us as people is for those that tend to like to feel and be always in control, Gen AI can feel scary. And that's, again, if you were to map a polarity, it's a very simple framework. It's like a four blocker. There, there's wonderful things about the empowerment that it brings. There's also downsides to it, right? Which we all need to explore and learn more about. But that's truly the polarity that I think is, is at play for leaders, for people. And it's a tough one to navigate because we also have some pretty deep-seated preferences there. Very interesting. I think that, that's something that would definitely help our audience in general, because I think there's just so much out there about generative AI, different opinions around it. And it's always good to hear different people's perspective on the theme. So thanks for sharing, Katie. Yeah. Um, and Prakar, just again, for, for the listeners, you know, one of the things that I learned early on in my studies with polarities is once you start to learn about polarities. So again, they're, they're two seemingly opposite things that need each other over time to drive something forward, to have progress. You can read an article. And based on the author, you can see what pole they sit on. And so they accentuate the upside of that pole and they drive all of it forward. And then they they literally say things like that are the downside of the other side, right? Like they never talk about the upside of the other side. It's always the downside and vice versa. So again, those that are practitioners or learning more about polarities, start to just read, like the author will tell you what it is that they want you to hear. So it's important to counter that with both sides and make sure that you're not just leaning into your own preferences. Again, whether that be all in Gen AI or all out, you know, again, I don't think either one of those are the right decision. I think it should be, how do we cautiously step forward in a rapid fashion that keeps us ahead of the game? I would agree. I mean, it has to be a very balanced set of an approach rather than just being one-sided for all the benefits that you cited. So absolutely. I think it, it's very interesting. Let me ask you this, and this might be a tricky one. So in your career, what has been one of the most counterintuitive insight you've gained about managing polarities? And how do you think it has influenced your approach towards leadership and decision-making? Yeah, so that's a really good question. And those that are in the the world of uh, learning and leadership development, talent management, org effectiveness, org design, you know, there's a lot that we do, you know, to assess, you know, assess things, right? We're assessing skills of the individual. We're assessing preferences of people's success. We're assessing organizational capabilities. We're assessing markets and market shifts. Like, there's sort of this assessment lens that, that we all have to have because it allows us to identify gaps and then identify solutions and then move things forward. So I think that that assessment piece is, is critical to uh, the L&D and, and OD space. What I also find kind of counterintuitive is there, 
there are things that people like we use, like we're hardwired that way, or that person is hardwired that way. And and the thing and the gift about polarities management is it actually has you look at your wires in a very objective way. And yes, I might be wired a certain way based on lots of things that have influenced my life to this point, but my wiring still can be objective and I can, I can navigate and make different choices, right? That power of choice. And I think that's the place where the counterintuitiveness is it's easier to think that we don't have choice. It's easier to think that something is being, you know, done to me or done for me and it's completely out of my control. But polarities management actually allows you to look at things in a very clear framework and very simple. But the hard part is me personally doing something with that, doing something different with that. And I think that's the the piece around polarities that is so challenging is I, I can sit down and talk to someone about what it is. I can show a map to you and I can say, this is this is how it works. And everyone, yeah, totally makes total sense. Living and breathing it, though, is a very, very different journey. It requires a lot of self-reflection. It requires a lot of curiosity and being able to see things for more than what you originally see them for. And it can really wake people up, I think, in a, in a beautiful way. I, I think very helpful, just in terms of how you think about it. Maybe a follow-up question from the audience side that I would have is, that who in the organization do you think should control and look at this actively? Because it's not easy operationally to have this as the part of the decision-making in a routine workflow. So who should be the owner? Who should be the subconsciously thinking about this? Is it the elementary leadership? Should it be the functional leaders? Or should it be everyone in some form? Oh, well... I mean, I'm going to have a biased answer here. I mean, I think it should be everyone, right? Like if we're going towards making the world a better place, for sure, that I know is not always realistic. So, I mean, the approach that I've taken is it really, it needs to come from our our senior leaders. Uh, for those that are, are really controlling P&Ls and driving business results, I, I think it really needs to start there. And the reason for that is simple business constructs at play. Like you look in the world of manufacturing about supply chain, there's simple things around like the PSYOP process. It's just dripping in polarities. Like you make a decision over here, it has an impact over there. You make a decision over here, it has an impact over here. Like and if you're not able to navigate that, everyone in your value stream is impacted. And so I think that's like looking at those leaders that are in roles where they have like, even if their scope of work and their scope of immediate control is less than their sphere of influence, if they have a heavy sphere of influence, like their decision has a ripple impact. Which again, in today's world with data and digital and tech, like we're all connected, right? We can't get away from each other, even though we try, but then we want the data to work, right? It's like, leave me alone, but can you make my data work? Um, like that's, that's like not going to work. But leaders, I think, really need to have it. And then the more rapidly we can empower people that aren't in leadership positions yet, not only are we going to empower them to be future leaders, 
Um, but we're, we're allowing them into a new way of thinking that we get better results. We get more sustained results. You know, if I have two teams that functionally and organizationally create tension with each other, sales and operations, okay? Everyone, right? Go sell. I'm going to sell. I need to hit my numbers. I need to do whatever. Operations don't figure out how to deliver it on time, how to schedule in within our profit margins, right? You know, that is such a tension at play. And it becomes this either or. And it's like, well, no, it's both. We need our sales leaders out there driving customer-centric conversations, pushing our innovation strategies and roadmaps, you know, but then we got to figure out how to rapidly operationalize it. <laughs> and again, that requires both ends. And for organizations that don't embrace that, you get leaders that just pit each other against each other. And it's an internal war. And it's like, no, 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 that's not how they work. And so I, I'm really fortunate, you know, especially the organization I'm with today. We really embrace this mindset. They've let me support that journey. Um, and it's been really, really awesome to see um, the the growth, the the respect, the appreciation, um, and the the rapid transformation of life. Very aptly put, Kitty. I don't think a lot of us as functional leaders have that perspective. Of course, there is empathy on the other side. You know, the example of the sales and operations bit, but you're not thinking of it from a broad alignment perspective. Yes, there is customer centricity as well, but there could be ultimately OKRs that drive both teams in different directions. But I think this is the concept that brings and ties them together in, in some form. I think definitely a personal takeaway for me is thinking about this in that form whenever a significant decision needs to be made. So probably one of our final questions and let me know what your thoughts are. And this, this could be some, uh, this could be a question for some of our leaders who are already familiar with the concept of polarity. What are some of the advanced strategies you might recommend to effectively manage them in a complex decision-making environment? Yeah, I mean, for those that are familiar with the concept and are, have been practicing this again, like I always encourage Leaders that are just learning this are like, oh, let me go fix everyone else. I'm like, start with yourself. With the big journey, like start with yourself, play with polarities, figure out what your preferences are. You have deep-seated ones. Start to open up your own brain to what other opportunities look like. So start with yourself. But for those that have kind of mastered that self kind of navigation, you know, again, mastered is a strong word. None of us really master everything, but we're able to navigate it quickly. It is about coaching people. And, and what I would encourage, kind of going back to what I mentioned around when you're reading something and you see in the article or you see in the book or you see in the PowerPoint presentation, a severe preference, like we will do all of this and none of that, right? Get rid of everything that has to do with the quote unquote other that's the place for you to ask really, really powerful questions. And that, I think, is for leaders to start to say, as an example, as we think about, you know, doing something specific for a customer or doing something specific for the company, right? Like that's kind of going back to that sales and operations example. If we're doing something that's everything for the customer and we're not able to operationalize it and sustain it, then we need to start asking questions around what customer has been with us on this journey 
like maybe you, you identify your top five customers or something and you say, do they agree with our strategy here? Is this what they would want us to do? Being that we might start to hinder our delivery, being that we might start delivering or, or hindering our quality. Like, is that what they agree with? And when you start challenging leaders, asking those types of questions, like, okay, go back to your customer and verify that because your customer actually wants you to have a balance of what's in it for them. And how do you deliver based on your own value proposition? Because again, that goes back to what's in it for them. <laughs> I think, again, we, we miss that. Like if we're not able to deliver, then it impacts our customers. If we say to our customers, we can do absolutely everything that you want and need, we can kill ourselves doing that, but are we able to deliver? And so Again, it has to be that beautiful combination. And for those leaders that have preferences, like just ask the questions that evoke another individual. Now they might not like it and they might be like, I don't know why you're asking that question, but those are actually the right questions to ask because you're getting to the heart of it. And again, the other thing, though not mainstream at all, is part of polarities and those that are very, very sophisticated at it are our geniuses at combining and making up verbiage to push things together, right? So I mentioned earlier, like, how do we have things that are centrally decentralized? Like, that's not really, you know, that creative. Way to go, baby. But like, if I say I have a centrally decentralized organization, I make people like look at me and scowl. Like, what do you mean you have a centrally decentralized organization? I'm like, yeah, we're centrally decentralized. And it's like, but th that, all of a sudden, now people are like, okay, how does that work? And I'm like, yeah, different. It works different. And if we can start to take some of these polarizing words, like short-term and long-term, both are important. Like, how do we have the short-term? I mean, that was the worst example ever. But you know what I'm saying? Like, make up words that actually get you towards your vision. And they mean something to the organization. They mean something to the team. Those types of things really help drive a vision that's much more sustainable moving forward. Yeah, I don't think anyone could have put it better. Very relatable. One of the last ones that come to my mind is just with everything you mentioned, we all want organizations to be stable. But at the same time, there's so much changing around us as well. Right? So I, I think the way you put it, finding the right balance of everything, cross-collaboration across departments, but looking at that central goal, asking the right questions to making sure that what's the domino effect of one decision going to have on another and looking at it in a well-rounded way. Like, how do you become an organization that has anchored change? And it's like, what? Anchored Correct. change. And so, yeah, we're going to have constant change that is anchored in something. And like, what are your anchors? And you're not just changing for change's sake. It's anchored in something, but it's anchored change. And, and help, that helps employees. Like that helps people. Like, okay, well, we, we do anchored change here. Okay, what the heck is anchored change? And you think of an anchor, it's weighted, it's stable, it's sturdy, it holds the ship. But at the same time, it's change, right? Which right. you need both. And so that's where we can start to support the change management, leveraging polarities. Absolutely. I think this has been really helpful, Katie, for our audience as well. There was a few questions we had on the topic. I'm sure our listeners had a wonderful time uh, learning from you. And I hope this becomes one of our most popular podcasts on the channel, just based on 
the topic that we picked up, and I think this is relevant to so many, but often gets missed out. And I think the way you cited the importance of it in critical decision-making helps our audience a lot. Thanks a lot for taking out the time. Well, thanks for having me today and best of luck to everyone as we manage all the tensions in the world and drive clarity.